When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the crown jewel of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Library. Yes, it's ESSR Central here, hosted by the Crown Prince, Ross McLeod, and I'm joined by the court jester, David Hockney. David, how are you? I'm feeling very oozy today. Thank you very much. I'm very glad. I'm glad. Glad you're feeling a lot more oozy these days. Um, by the way, uh, someone tweeted in Samoan that Usi is apparently slang for pussy in Samoan. So, yeah, well, it's good to know, Dave. It's yeah, good to good know. To know. <laughs> At least it rhymes. So, uh, anyway, we'll move swiftly on for that. Before we get in to obviously all the Crown Jewel preview, as you might have guessed there for that piss poor intro that I just pulled together at Mars, this will be mostly a Crown Jewel preview show. But if you want to listen back to our pack, past shows, previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. You can find us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. And, of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Well, there was a Crown Jewel press conference today, Dave. Um, It was 52 minutes long. As with most WWE press conferences, it didn't need to be that long. Uh, But it was. (laughs) And... um, the one big piece of news we have coming out of this uh, press conference is that Logan Paul's brother, Jake Paul, fresh off his victory over Anderson Silva last week, will be will be in the corner of Logan Paul tomorrow. He will be the insurance policy in case the bloodline more than likely does show up. Uh, WWE in Saudi Arabia already, by the way, that does mean SmackDown is pre-taped tonight. Um... What your thoughts on WWE bringing Jake Paul in? Uh, did you think that was an obvious one they were always going to do eventually down the line? And does this make you worried for the Logan Paul-Roman Reigns universal title match where they are hyping it up, that one lucky shot? It's uh, just the short answer is uh, I'm not surprised they brought in Jake Paul because he's a, a massive uh, influencer, much yeah. like much like his brother. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's one of the most controversial figures uh, in 
combat sports today. And if he'll affect the outcome of the Roman Reigns-Logan Paul match, no, I don't think so. I think this is solely just to get more eyes on the product because both the Paul brothers are massive draws in their own right. You know, Logan, obviously, as is his YouTube following over 20 million subscribers, 50 billion views on YouTube or something along those lines. And Jake's obviously been making waves in the in the boxing ring, you know, getting quote-unquote wins because uh, over the likes of like Floyd Mayweather and Anderson Silva, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, it seems more like a, a last-ditch effort to try and get as many eyes on the product as possible. But I have no... I don't think it's influenced how I think the results of the match will go. The I I didn't think that either when I seen the clip of Logan uh, of Jake Paul showing up. But when I watched the press conference, the way they're billing it is that if Logan Paul wins, it will not just be the biggest upset in WWE history; it will be the biggest upset in all of combat sports history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just makes me think, oh, WWE like to build that up, don't they? It just yeah. it, it fills me with that wee bit of dread. But I think as well, WWE, pardon me, know what they're doing with that. It fills you with that dread. Yeah. So you come in, so you watch it. And then even if it's crap, you're just like, thank God he didn't win. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't mind Logan Paul. I've enjoyed his stuff with The Miz. I've been more than impressed with how athletic he is in the ring uh, obviously his in-ring work that will come, he's only had two matches but just t- <laughs> the fear that he will be the one to end Roman Reigns' historic two-year run it's that sort of, oh god no please, please no mm-hmm. but hey, oh, we are <laughs> it'll be worse than the, the gender win over Randy Orton, it was like no, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen but then you think, what if and then it doesn't um, happen. That's the the vibe I'm getting from this. But I think there's a lot of people out there who would want to see uh, both Pauls take a spear and or Superman punch, mostly Jake, in my preference. But, but you're right. You know, Logan's Logan's no pushover. You know, he's shown he can actually go in the ring. He's done very, very well. He's taken to the he's taken to it like a water like a duck to water. He's been training with Shawn Michaels. He's been training with Drew Gulak. I think he'll put on a decent showing, but in terms of getting the win, it's no, I don't see it happening. It just needs to be a good story told. And then there's obviously the the right hand knockout punch with the, the screws in his hand. That's you got to think when that does happen in the match, which it probably will. And then Roman kicks out. Then that's that's the story told. It's like nothing can keep this guy down. I was about to say, I think there's going to be a bit at the start of the match where Roman's dominating. He gives him that little, like, let the cigar down. He's got him in the corner. He gives him that little slap on the face. And then Paul hits it. And it's just the shock. And the, cover him, cover him. One, two. Roman kicks out last second. I do think we are going to see that. And I think we are all going to fall for it when it comes. It's, yeah. it's one of those ones, no matter how many times you see it. No matter how many <laughs> how many times we've been through this before, you just know that bit's coming and it's like, oh, oh God, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when um, Goldberg got super kicked by Dolph Ziggler at the 2019 SummerSlam. It was the first move of the match. Ziggler goes straight for the pen. You think, oh, God, no way, no way. And then yeah. 
just he gets hit with multiple spears and i imagine that's what's going to happen here as long as jake takes at least a spear i'm happy with that i think he's on the outside to maybe knock out sammy zane um, no no sammy's not going to be there because remember he, he can't attend the, the oh, yeah. shows. yeah um well we would you call it we um we got the press conference obviously we had jake paul show up roman uh yelling at a uh, his wise man saying, you're supposed to know these things. You're supposed to know these things. It's now, I think they're playing it as well. It's now Paul's in the head of um, of Roman. But it wasn't the only big match we had uh, previewed heading into this. Uh, monster versus Monster, the way in. Uh, Braun Strowman and Omos. Omos weighing over 415 pounds. And Braun Strowman weighing in at over 335 pounds. This is going to be good. I think this will be good. I think this will be just two big meaty men slapping meat, as Biggie <laughs> likes to say. Big meaty men slapping meat part one of the night. <laughs> but we'll get to the other one in a, in a sec. But yeah, uh, Braun Strowman, I never thought I'd ever see somebody make him look like a dwarf because he's not a small man by any stretch of the imagination. But when I saw him stood next to Omos, I think it was on Raw, I thought, holy crap, like, just how big is Omos in comparison? He's, he's outrageous. Uh, I've not been overly impressed with Omos's in-ring work. You know, I think him in the Money in the Bank ladder match sort of was able to hide his weakness a little bit. Braun, I think, is probably going to have the upper hand, and I think he's probably going to carry most of the most of the weight here, given that well, I mean, for a big guy, he is surprisingly agile and can actually do some very good chain wrestling if it works. Because you've seen him in the past against Big Show and Mark Henry and stuff. He does he does very, very well for a man his size. So I think this could be mixed. You know, it could be really good or it could just be an absolute train wreck. And But, it, you know, it's two giants colliding and... You never know. It could it could work, but I'm a little bit pessimistic on it. I would love, I would love for this just to be just big power moves, just big strength. You know, just it doesn't need to be agile because we're going to see agility. We're going to see, you know, the likes of Eo Sky, Bailey, Bianca Belair in action on the card. We're going to see AJ Styles and Finn Balor on the card. We have your agile lower weight guys and lower weight girls. This, as Big E says, and I'm going back to it, is big meaty men slapping meat. Part one. This, this ain't work great. This ain't 30 minute classics. This ain't seven stars. This is ball and shoe ugly as JR like to say and I, I'm here for it. I... I'd like to see Braun get a big win because he's on on his comeback, but I think Omos was a wee bit damaged by the... Not damaged by the Bobby Lashley feud, but they've not exactly put him in any any feuds to build him back up. He's just been went back to squashing jobbers on the regular. Yeah, I think that's just... I think Omos is just... I don't think he's taken it as... He's not fitted the shoes in as quickly. I mean, there's definitely potential there i think he just needs to be you know molded a little bit better maybe give him a bit more because he's a bit green whole things considered braun though is has been in wwe for best part of what seven years i think 
Uh, so he knows what it's like to deliver on big matches. Uh, and he does need a big win following his, his return a couple of months ago. I'd be leaning more towards a Strowman win here. Fair enough. Can you imagine, uh, if, he, can you imagine if he gets almost on his shoulders and does that power slam to him? Like a man who's literally about half a foot taller than him. I think that will be the big finish. It'll be one of them doing a big power move to the other one. Um, so on to part two of big meaty men slapping meat. Yep. Um, it used to be Vince McMahon liked big sweaty men. Now it's uh, Paul Levesque that apparently enjoys them as well. <laughs> uh, Bobby Lashley versus versus Brock Lesnar. A dream match we've wanted for a while. We got it at the Royal Rumble, but not in the way many of us would have hoped. A bit too much shenanigans going on. Mm-hmm. And then they were kept apart from each other <clears throat> at the Elimination Chamber at the last Saudi Arabia show. I think, Lashley, um, I think Lashley did his shoulder in in that match after getting a German yeah. suplex. Yeah, so I am looking forward to this because it seems like we're Bobby Lashley is back to a point where he has been built for the past two years mm-hmm. as a credible threat. You know, he's had the, the partnership with MVP. He's had the Hurt Business. He's had the United States title run. He's had his WWE title run. He's had his other WWE title run. He's defeated Drew McIntyre at one WrestleMania and almost at the next WrestleMania. And he's going up against Brock Lesnar. It's always fun to see Brock Lesnar. And I love Cowboy Viking Brock. I'll, I'll just I think this is the best Brock Lesnar we've ever had. Mm. Yeah, second open. Well, actually, no, you're right. Yeah, I was going to say Brock party, but we've never saw that, saw enough of that to really make a a robust judgment on that. But uh, oh, I'm not really sure which way this is going to go. I think I'd lean more towards a Lesnar win here because Lashley's on a bit of a a downward trend. Give it a following the the loss to Seth Rollins in the US title scene. Well, it's, let's. Uh, that a wee minute because that's obviously how this uh, this feud started we did think that Brock was done for a fair while uh, after after SummerSlam after the last man standing and the feud with Roman Reigns uh, it looked like Brock was done uh, reports were that he was on his way out of the company and then right before the United States title match Seth Bobby Lashley's in the ring who appears but Cowboy Brock, uh, Cowboy Brock proceeds to mercilessly kick the living shit out of the Almighty, and yeah, cost Bobby the United States title. They've been brawl since. I again, this will be more where you see a bit of work rate and see a bit more more athleticism. But at the same time, I hope this is a short match where it's it's like the Goldberg Brock match at WrestleMania. It's six yeah. and a half minutes. It's brutal. It's violent. It's over in six minutes. But you're you're left going, wow, that was great. I hope this is one of them because Brock's got that explosive sort of like just come out the gates charging. Bobby Lashley can match that intensity. And intensity, that's what that explosive intensity, which Bobby Lashley can more than match. I would love to see them go back and forth, and you know, you're saying you lean more towards a Brock win, I think a Bobby Lashley win puts them back into contention, because 
we've never really seen Bobby Lashley go after the Universal title. We've never really seen Bobby Lashley go up against Roman Reigns. He's possibly the last big guy that Roman hasn't beat. Mm, and that's not technically true. He has. Lashley does have a victory over Roman Reigns, but this was back at 2018 for Extreme Rules. Yeah, I'm saying it's the last big guy that Roman hasn't beaten the title run. Oh, right. See, yeah. When Roman has a win over Brock, he beat him the next night to go, to go uh, would you call it? to go face Brock at SummerSlam. But mm. in the in the two-year title run, Bobby Lashley's probably one of the big guys he's never really taken on. And I think a win over Brock it just catapults Bobby Lashley into, into that contention. And I would love to see... Hey, I'd love to see Bobby Lashley be the one to end Roman Reigns' run. And I, really? think, you could start, I think you could start that tonight because I think everyone thought it was going to be Drew. I think they've missed the boat with that. Brock went on too long. It doesn't make sense to go back and have Brock do it again. Bobby Lashley, to me, is a ready-made guy, but you can make him, you can make him even more of a threat if you just have him beat Brock at Saudi Arabia. So for me, I'm going to go Bobby Lashley because he's the only person I really see ending Roman Reigns' run. Okay, I mean that's a bit of a bit of a curveball I think and apparently he's been penciled as one of the early favourites to win the Royal Rumble as well so you never know it may be at Wrestlemania it may not be who knows I mean Lashley is on the poster for Wrestlemania 39 so yeah I imagine they would be though he is one of their bigger stars Mm -hmm. Uh, two women's championships will be on the line the women's tag team championships and the Raw women's championship uh, will both be on the line. We'll talk about the tag titles first. We have had uh, new tag team champions this past week on Raw. Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Uh, <laughs> Asuka clearly heard the call of David Campbell on the 150th edition of Saturday Draft Live where he said, has anyone seen Asuka? She's been missing for two months. Well, she came back and she won the women's tag titles with Alexa Bliss. Um do you see this being a long run for Alexa Bliss and Asuka, or do you see this being a sort of quick title change to pop a rating and then quick title change again to give the live crowd something in Saudi Arabia? I reckon it's the latter, because that title win on Raw just sort of came out of nowhere, given how long Alexa and Asuka have been off telly for. But Asuka said on her YouTube channel, uh, Karachan TV, that she was actually dealing with a, a mild knee injury which is why she was off for so long. But I think, and the title went, like I said, the title went on Raw just, it was a bit of a curveball. It didn't really make a lot of sense in terms of booking. So I reckon it's just going to be a one and done. It makes more sense to have damage control hold on to the women's tag titles, even if it means, you know, having them win and then the Saudis get to see a title change, which I think was part of in the, uh, was part of the, the arrangements, wasn't it? It's like if we're booking this show, we want to see at least we want to at least see a title change. So well, there wasn't if, many title changes on the first few shows. It was only when titles were vacated mm. that they really saw. But it was it was the later it was the second year they went back that we did see more titles change hands and matches. That yeah, was, that was the uh, Rollins and the Fiend and stuff, and the match cannot be stopped. Really? Yeah, because the first year um, we got 
a tag title change with the leaders of worlds winning the vacated Raw tag titles, and we got Brock winning the Universal title, which has also been vacated at um, Super Showdown, but or whatever the uh, sort of crown jewel, because uh, the first one was the Greatest Royal Rumble. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's, I don't think it's ever been we need a title change, but there has been title changes on almost all of the eight shows that have been so far. I'd need to check to see. I think there was maybe one or two where there wasn't title changes, but mm. there has certainly been big feud-building uh, matches and title changes that have happened on these shows. Uh, moving on to the more the more personal rivalry, Bailey Bianca Belair, uh, going back to this past year, SummerSlam, uh, this has been going on since July 30th. Bailey has had the upper hand at Clash of the Castle, winning the six-woman tag match, pinning Bianca Belair. Bianca, without any help, defeated all three members of Damage Control in that ladder match at Extreme Rules. This looks like it's going to be a last, but Bailey did then win a singles match with the help of Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, Mental Nikki's back. This could be the X factor here. She's not with damage control. She's not with uh, Bianca and her buddies. You know, is is Nikki Cross going to get involved here and cost cost Bianca, or is it going to be a case of Bianca wins cleanly, moves on, and Nikki Cross is the next in line? Mm. You know what, though, it actually sets up something really good for Survivor Series because. You've got Damage Control and Nikki Cross as a four-woman alliance. And then you could have the challengers go up against them. So I reckon Nikki probably... It makes sense to have Nikki help them out uh, to get Bailey the win here. Plus, it doesn't mean Bianca gets pinned to lose the championship. So if the next pay-per-view is going to be Survivor Series in a few weeks, I think Damage Control needs to be looking extremely dominant. And in that case, it has to be all three of them holding championships. Plus, with Nikki's help, it sort of acts as like a outside factor. And obviously, it, it sets up brilliantly for war games. Uh, moving on to... So who do you think is going to win? Do you think Bailey will take it or do you think Bianca yeah, will take it? I think, I think Bailey's winning this one. Bailey's taking it. I think, yeah, I think we'll might. We will see damage control leave with all three titles. Um, moving on to Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre has this thing with The Shield, with Bobby Lashley, with Randy Orton, with uh, Baron Corbin at the start of the year. He has these feuds that just don't end when they should. They, they just don't. And he's had this feud with Karrion Cross since before... Clash at the Castle um, when Cross returned in an August episode of Smackdown. Cross, I thought, needed a big win after the damage of uh, the Raw version of his character uh, before his release last year. And he didn't get it in the way he should have. He should have either won or lost. You know, it's, it's simple. Drew should either have continued his recovery from the Roman loss with a win over Carrion Cross. Try saying that five times fast. Mm-hmm. Or Carrion should have defeated him cleanly. Instead, we got shenanigans with Scarlett getting involved in the strap match and the the pepper spray in the eye. 
absolute, absolute horseshit. We're now in a steel cage match with the two guys. I really don't care who wins at this point, to be honest with you, because they've not built carrying up the right way and they've not built Drew up the right way. Drew has been aimless ever since WrestleMania because they wanted to obviously hold off on the Universal title match for the UK pay-per-view. But even then, they have they decided not to go with Roman and he's just been aimless ever since. Yeah, this match has sort of been put on the back burner a little bit, largely because I think Drew's been away from away from the scene lately. Because I think on SmackDown a few weeks ago he had like a severe case of food poisoning, but that was I think that was before Extreme Rules. And then he's obviously been off for Sheamus's wedding as well. So meanwhile, Cross has just sort of been cutting promos here and there, and they haven't had much interaction with each other since the uh, the brawl in the parking lot. So it's. It's hard to get invested, you know, when neither guy has been presented on SmackDown and there's no there's no intensity like there was on the build up to the strap match. So it's I've certainly lost a, a bit of interest in watching it, but I don't think it's gonna take away from the fact that, you know, once these two guys get in the cage, it's just gonna be a a straight up fight between them. Whichever way it goes, it's it's difficult to say. But I think in the confines of a steel cage, you know, there's less room for shenanigans. And I reckon either Drew wins by escape or Cross wins cleanly. That's the only way I can see it go. Yeah, I... I really don't care. You know, I, I will be selfish and say for my draft team, for Saturday Draft Live, uh, I will want Drew to win, just for the simple fact, Drew's on my team. But I would like Bordeaux to appear multiple times throughout the night, if that's okay with you, Triple H. Cheers and thank you. Um, we'll move on to the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. Um, the Usos almost at a record-setting reign at this point. Going up against the Brawling Brutes, Ridge Holland and Butch. I was at the WWE live show in Glasgow uh, this past um, this past Sunday. Um, a good show and the Brawling Brutes surprisingly over, you know, because I, we know Pete Dunne, obviously, is well known on these shows. But even Ridge Holland, he was getting getting a big reaction as well at mm. the show. Um I don't see anything other than Anusso's win uh, by hook or by crook um, because, quite simply, when you're this close to the record, you don't lose. Mm-hmm. I think the final SmackDown or Raw before they break the record, they will take on the New Day and that'll be the, we done it and we beat you to do it mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like, but I don't see the Usos losing the title anytime soon, just like I don't see Roman Reigns losing the title anytime soon. No, and they had this match on SmackDown a few weeks ago as well with the Usos getting the win over it, but there were a couple of points where you thought the Brutes might just take it. You know, then that's really good in terms of storytelling and drama inside the, the ring because they've got to tell a story behind it as well. And these guys will do just that for sure. 
and I think it's a it's a safe bet to know that it's this is a match that's going to deliver any any way shape or form. But you're right the the record has to be broken by the Usos at this point. They've put so much investment in the Usos in the bloodline. They they have to go the distance with them because the Usos have essentially solidified themselves as probably arguably WWE's best ever tag team. Yeah, I agree. Um, and how how many days is it at the minute? Oh, I uh, I'm not sure actually. Uh, Come on, Dave, you're the stats man. I thought after <laughs> David Campbell put you on blast, oh, this all right, past, all right, all right, all right. past Saturday, you'd be with it. Uh, 470 days. 470 days, and what is what was the new days? 482. 480. So, so, so sorry, if, they hold it for, if they hold it for two more weeks, they've done it. Right, I think in two weeks you are going to see an Usos versus New Day tag title match, and that will be the that will be the final sort of we've done it. I just hope they hold it longer because I didn't like, and I, I'll, I'll talk about. Um, I, I talked about this with John Isherwood when we spoke about um, Austin Theory possibly holding the Money in the Bank title for a year. Mm-hmm. I don't like when a historic title reign ends only for the guy who ended it to lose the title again so obviously when the New Day lost to the bar mm-hmm. they lost five weeks later at the Royal Rumble to the OC who we'll talk about in a wee minute and it was just it felt pointless it felt oh well that's the that's the titles away then eh? mm-hmm. and I I don't think if I don't if Roman doesn't lose the title anytime soon, I don't see the person that beats him holding the title for long. Unless maybe Bobby Lashley? Even if Bobby Lashley does it, maybe I don't know, maybe we'll have uh, would you call it Cody Rhodes? No, maybe we'll have Austin Theory cash in on money in the bank next year. Yeah, I, it makes more sense. But then again, he was teasing on NXT as well. I mean, who's to say he can't cash in on the NXT championship either? Because he's not exactly set the world on fire on Raw these past few weeks, ever since Vince left. You know, he's sort of just floundering, and then you almost forget, you know, he actually has a guaranteed world title match at his disposal. But he's still a bit of a a diamond in the rough, shall we say. You know, Kevin Owens gave him a dressing down at some point a few weeks ago on Raw and he just hasn't been the same ever since. He got a good match at Seth Rollins this past week on Raw, but he did it on the on the entrances, he actually looked a little bit dejected, you know, he's grown his beard out a little bit. It's almost as if that same arrogance and that same drive isn't there anymore at Austin Theory. So it makes sense for him to hold it right up until the very last minute because it's it would make zero sense to cash in on Roman at this point. Yeah, yeah. I but the, at the same time, I don't want the historic title run to end to a cash in. No, me neither. It has to be definitive. Yeah, I. I mean, look it, at look at Walter Vol, Dragonov at Takeover Thirty Six. That yeah. is ending a a defiant title reign with style. Yeah, it has, it has to be something along those lines. Absolutely. 
But we move on to the final match on the card. Uh, the OC, AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, soon to be former never open weight champion Carl Anderson, uh, and Luke Gallows taking on Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley's Judgment Day, Dominic Mysterio, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest. I say Rhea Ripley's Judgment Day because a lot of the focus going into this has been neutralizing Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. Will we see? Maybe a new member added to the OC, a female member. Mm. See, that's interesting because one name has crept up on some reports and dirt sheets that WWE are very interested in in re-signing. And I know you're not the biggest fan of her, but I think she would be a very interesting fit to the OC. And that is one head baddie in charge, Mia Yim. Because Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte Flair has been out since Backlash. It makes it doesn't make sense to have her team up with the OC. I just don't think she'd be a good fit. But Mia Yimu, you know that that sort of street style, that brawler's attitude, you know, maybe change her look a little bit. Uh, I think she would fit in quite well with the OC. If I'm being honest, oh, I'm just. <laughs> Look, people can be excited about it if they want. I'm just never going to be excited about anything Mia Yim does. It's just not for me. I thought you were going to say, because I I was going to defend this last week and I forgot all about it, Uh, Chelsea Green, who's rumoured to be returning to WWE. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zach Ryder, sorry, Matt Cardona, who recently posted a radio to his Instagram. Just hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. Get him going. But... um, Chelsea Green was rumoured to coming back, and I've never disliked Chelsea Green. I actually quite like her. I just didn't like how she went on about how she never got opportunities in WWE, and it's like, no, you did. You were just constantly injured. Mm-hmm. It's I, like she was very stop-start with the the injuries. Yeah, and it was. It, it's one of those ones. It's not your fault you got injured. You know, it, these things happen, but you know, you can't after three or four injuries when a company goes right. Let's, let's cut our losses. Happens in football all the time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting screaming at Rangers right now to sack half the fucking team because I can't get fit. <laughs> that's a different story. And, that. <laughs> oh, and they've set a horrendous record from the... Get right, move, move on, you bastard. Move on. Anyway, but to the OC, um, Mia Yim isn't someone who I I would have thought of, but I think she could, she could really fit in there. As you mentioned, she does have that sort of style. Um, is there any other names you think would work, or any? Obviously, you mentioned Charlotte Flair. You don't think would work? Is there anyone you would? Oh God, please not them. Mm, please not them. Yeah. Please them or please not them. If it's up to yourself. Uh, can you imagine if um, if she wasn't associated with damage control? Can you imagine getting mental Nicky with the OC? Like that would be that would be interesting, but. Out of everybody on the Raw roster, like one person I would say absolutely not to is Dana Brooke. Oh, God, no. Or or Big Tam. No, Tamina, Dana Brooke, the lower tier women, I, I want nowhere near this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give you someone who might be a fan favourite, but I don't want them near this. Liv Morgan. I know Liv has the... Um, past Smackdown anyway so I don't know if yeah no I know but it doesn't matter in WWE anymore apparently mm-hmm. uh, I 
I don't want to see like they waited too long for her and Rhea you know she went off to Smackdown cashed in the money in the bank uh, Rhea got injured unfortunately it's just the moment has passed I'm not interested in seeing a Rhea versus a uh, Liv Morgan feud nah been there done that yeah so but <clears throat> I can't really think to be honest with you who, who it would be that's why um, it makes more sense if it's if it's Mia Yim and WWE's interested in bringing her back. Plus, those two have got history on NXT as well. Because mind they used to they were supposed to team up in War Games before Dakota took her out. Yeah, that's very true. Um, right, well, Mia Yim might work, but who do you think is winning this? Do you think the OC or do you think the Judgment Day? Nah, I think OC's getting it. I think they've been the the victims of singles losses well actually no that's a lie carl anderson beat priest this past week but rhea ripley's been the x factor in this scenario and they've always seemed to have the upper hand despite you know singles wins and losses 50 50 booking it's i think the oc need it i think gallows and anderson need a a big win on their return as well just if they can afford a loss despite how dominant they've been I think Judgment Day win. I think as much as we're speculating, another woman does not come into play. I think they save that for Monday Night Raw. I think, and then I, I think if people talk about uh, the Bloodline being in War Games, I don't think they're going to be in War Games. I think you might see an OC Judgment Day War Games, and I think that's used to negate the influence of Rhea Ripley. So if there's not a new woman. It's the cage that keeps her out. Yeah. Or if they do 4v4 in a mixed format. I don't know how that would work in terms of logistics, but... Everyone keeps talking about this. I don't see it happening. I think Triple H has made it very clear his stance on mixed tag matches. Mm. I'm sorry, not mixed tag, intergender matches. And I just, I don't see it happening. Even though he basically got his ass handed to him by Ronda Rousey? Yeah, but that's different. That's him. He's allowed to break the rules, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm not saying I agree with it, by the way. I'm just saying I don't see it. I don't right. see it happening. But, um, yeah, so that'll cover us for Crown Jewel just now. Um, obviously, that airs, well, that airs as soon as this goes out tomorrow. So listen to us, then watch Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But news that broke not long before we came on the air. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was so elated with his match. This is coming from at Lewis Dangour on Twitter. The tweet said, Stone Cold Steve Austin was so elated with his match with Kevin Owens that res- at WrestleMania that the feeling within WWE is that he'd be open to wrestling again. WrestleVotes tells Give Me Sport that it's unclear if it's something Triple H is considering right now, but Austin is open to new matches. So you were you were on the fence. We did the uh, WrestleMania preview mm-hmm. uh, before uh, the Central before WrestleMania. Sorry, we previewed WrestleMania. You were a bit down on it, the fact that you know it had been so long since he wrestled that you know he had his neck injuries, he had his troubles. Would he be able to go again? The match I think surprised everyone because of the no holds barred stipulation. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people now that are saying it was one and done. Let's leave it at that. Which side of the fence do you come down on? Are you a, I was wrong, I'd like to see more, or I was wrong, but it was a one and done. Let's leave it at that. 
I was wrong, but it was a one and done. Let's leave it at that. It was it was good to get him involved at WrestleMania weekend because I can't remember who who said it, but they convinced me with the argument that WrestleMania main events will come and go, but there's only ever going to be one Stone Cold Steve Austin. I believe that was me. <laughs> yeah, I think it was you actually. But yeah, it was. It's a one and done though. I mean, the guy's almost sixty. He could. He's. He still got. Well, I mean, he was able to hold his own despite the history of neck injuries and stuff. If he's going to be like a a special attraction for WrestleMania weekend, then fair enough. But as far as matches go, I think it dilutes what like happened at this year's WrestleMania. Let's just have it one and done. And he's one of those guys that can get away with his last match where he doesn't go out on his back. You know, like compared to The Rock at WrestleMania 19, you know, he lost that match. People still loved him for it. But then he got one more chance. He got that win. Let's leave it at that. Kind of like Undertaker at Mania 33. You know, he he lost that, got a win over Cena, and then he got a win over AJ Styles. That's it. Just be done with it. Is there no one you would you would like to see him go up against? Is there no one? I know, I know you are saying one and done, and I, I can see the the logics for that argument. Mm-hmm. Is there no one you would like to see him go up against, though? Mm, I think, given what happened on night two, I wouldn't mind him having a go at Austin Theory. But Austin then again, Austin. yeah, given that you know. <laughs> It, theory took the stunner and he sold it like rock level selling when he ate the <laughs> stunner. Like he, he, I mean, he literally threw it. He flew about six feet in the air. It was unreal. But it makes sense because it's the last gripe that he had from WrestleMania weekend. I think Theory was simply a. Uh... A pawn in the never-ending Austin versus Vince McMahon storyline. We get one last horrendous stunner, uh, and, yeah. and that ends. That's, that how you, that's how you knew Vince was done. Like you can't even take a stunner properly. And so ended the with everything that happened after. So ended the never-ending story of Austin and McMahon. I think Austin Theory was just a byproduct, just like the corporation were back in the day, just like the Spirit Squad were back in the day, just. He he was just there to take another stunner. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Anthony Lopez is on the fence. He he said in our group chat that no, the ending was perfect, but Austin versus Orton would make him cry in all the right ways. I don't know what is the right way for Chris Anthony Lopez. I'm not going to judge you. Do <laughs> you, man? But <laughs> he um, he only recently he only recent, recently found out what a lagger shandy was as well. Oh, but he's not for these shows, you know what I mean? He's from America. <laughs> I know, I Shows know. Shows things we'll say when we go over there, and people are like, what? Um, what? But anyway, uh, <laughs> Orton versus Austin is always the one that's been discussed. There was always Roxena. There was Orton. There was Austin Orton. For a while, there was talk of Austin Punk. We'll get into Punk later on, but I don't want to see Austin Punk, by the way. Oh, no, it's do- not at all. 
No, yeah, because imagine, imagine Austin versus Orton right now, like you know, one wrong move from either man, and it's like, from both men actually. It'd be like my neck, my back, something, something, and my crack. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, the Orton match is something that's been talked about for many a year. It's not something I'd be against. It's certainly nothing I'd be against. Hmm. I mean, one last legend to kill before for Orton's career, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, doesn't, look like he, doesn't look like his back injury is healing anytime soon. I I wouldn't mind seeing Austin. See if like one of them was a tag match. See if Austin goes. Listen, I've signed a two-year deal. There's going to be six matches. Hmm. One last Rumble appearance, a tag match in there. And then four singles matches against opponents we know are going to protect them. I'd love to see an Austin Miss feud. I, I, I think that could oh, do number. I that, think that would. I still remember ten years ago where it was like Raw All Stars night. Yeah. And Miz opened the show. Stone Cold interrupts them. They had that interaction with each other. That yeah, it was the tough enough. Yeah, because they announced the winner of tough enough. It was the Miz that interrupted Austin. That was the post Mania 27 Raw. Was it? Right, my yeah. bad. My bad. Because, but yeah, they've, they've got that history. You mentioned that. I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. I just know that Miz, obviously, safe worker, great on the mic, delivers far too often for the people that criticise him. He delivers time and time again, be it intercontinental title feuds, feuds with Seth Rollins, Feuds with the Miz, a- a- feuds with Dolph Ziggler, sorry. Hmm. AJ Styles even claimed when he got to WWE, he'd heard people badmouth the Miz. One of AJ Styles' first matches was against the Miz. And he was like, I have no complaints. The guy can go. So I, I, I'd, I'd like an Austin Miz feud. What about, what about an Austin AJ match? See, that'd be very good as well. Like, I'd, th- See, this is where you open the door. You say no, but then you say... Well, what about this? Oh, but what about that? Oh, but what about this? Oh, and what about that? Oh, I'll lead you down a dark rabbit hole. I think I'm back on the fence here over this one. Listen, I know people will be like, no, no. But I, if Stone Cold came back for, say, a six-match over two-year contract, I wouldn't say no to one last WWE title run. And you can say no all you want. I know we've had the part-time champions argument before. Or a, or a tens of millions dollar deal from the Saudi Sports Authority. Yes, I will give you a hell yeah because I want to see Stone Cold one last time open a can of pass and lift the WWF title. Okay, I want to see him. Whoa, 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 okay, okay, let's just rewind a bit. I'd accept him winning the 2 8 trophy, but not the, the WWE Universal title. I don't care what one he wins. You remember the prestigious 2 8 trophy? The one that was invented for the purposes of about two weeks and it was already claimed to be prestigious. Yes, the the thing that looked like a giant polonium. Uh, <laughs> like, what the hell is this? Polonium? Uh, petroleum, for fuck's sake, Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh. It was named after a mountain in Saudi. Yeah, wouldn't have known that. They did nothing other than go, that's what this is called, deal with it. Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm going all in on an Austin return. It's a yes for me. I know you're a no at the minute, but hell, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> from someone who... Coming from a rock fan as well. Yeah, I, I, I like them both. Um, I just like the rock better. Um, Fair enough. So, from someone we're debating about wrestling again to someone who might never wrestle again, and that's CM Punk, according to the Wrestle Observer. Uh, CM Punk might never wrestle again. He's impo- reportedly in talks to have the uh, to have the remainder of his contract bought out. It seems like very much the internal um, the internal investigation is over. It seems to be that it looked like Punk and HDO both started the fight and are in the wrong here. Um, CM Punk recently said that his dog Larry was injured in the attack. People from both sides of the story are saying, like, that's new information to us. None of us knew this. Um, so it looks like he's trying to save some face there. It looks like the Elite will be back in WWE and AEW soon. It doesn't look like Punk's going to be there anytime soon. I have little to no sympathy for Punk if he never wrestles again, to be honest with you. Um, We saw this attitude at his peak in WWE. We saw it on the Best in the World documentary when he took shots at The Miz, which I thought was very unprofessional. His attitude within WWE, many said, you know, before was a problem. WWE were in the wrong to fire him on his wedding day, but I mean, if you piss off for six months mm-hmm. from your job, that sort of thing happens. Um, he walked out. We saw the infamous, uh, the infamous Colt Cabana shoot interview, where he just buried the entire company, buried Triple H, and now we're seeing it in AEW. You know, he couldn't resist pot shots at WWE every week and then the pot shots started coming in about Hangman Adam Page then the arguments about people running the company and then the <laughs> the muffin filled tirade at the brawl out post conference <laughs> uh, post show conference just he, he is a guy that can't get out of his own way for someone who is incredibly talented for someone who is an absolute natural at wrestling. Is someone who is has this natural charisma and likability about him. He also has a way of becoming so naturally unlikable with his actions outside of the ring. Uh, it's the uh, it's the story of you know big egos colliding. I think that was the situation between him and Triple H that caused the the falling out a little bit from WWE side. The the all-out scrum did nobody any favours. Not only did it paint him in a really negative light, I think it also painted the entire company in a really negative light because it seems to be a bit clicky behind the scenes with Tony Khan and the Elite a little bit. And I don't know where the shots towards Hangman came from, if I'm being honest, but if you badmouth a company and you badmouth its talent, I think Omega and the Bucks had the right, you know, just to at least confront him because reports did suggest, you know, they they they, they confronted him, but they never they didn't swing the first punch. Like they were sort of the initial the first arm in the case of his steel. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know what, what's gotten into punk. You know, is it just 
is it creative frustration? Is it the the injuries racking up again that sort of keeps derailing him a little bit? Or well, did he just need the did he just need the ego boost and a big payday given the fact that he was guaranteed to have a massive following and a massive response on his return? I think um and and this goes to the rumours also because there is rumours that he's going to WWE. Um and there was a story this past week that it simply stated uh, with Colt Cabana returning on AEW Dynamite to take on Chris Jericho for the Ring of Honor World title that it didn't go unnoticed in Stanford. And with the elite promos, as we mentioned, and with Colt Cabana returning, it looks like it looks like AEW have made their decision. They're They're going with those guys are not going with Punk. I don't know if that will have alerted a few people in Stanford to, right, this is where we get Punk, but I don't feel that a Punk return now to WWE is going to be as impactful as a Punk return when he returned to AEW. I think, be it New Japan, AAA, Impact Wrestling, WWE or AEW, whoever got CM Punk to return to wrestling after seven and a half years was the ones that were going to make the headlines. Mm-hmm. They were going to make the big wave. I feel that Punk has alienated himself now from a lot of fans and his behaviour has maybe turned fans who were on the fence about him returning further back the other way. They're, well, like, hey, look, I told you, that's going to be the attitude now. So I, I really don't think a WWE return should be in the cards because I don't think it's worth anything at this point. And as you mentioned, creative frustration. He was allowed to come in and pick his first opponent. He chose Darby Allen. He had the great feud with MGF. He had the the feud with Hangman Adam Page where he wins the title. Obviously, he gets the injuries and then gets another injury. But, you know, injuries are part of wrestling, especially when you get older. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't excuse... Your your personal frustration does not excuse what you say when you're frustrated. You know, it's a free country and there's free speech, but there's not consequences, free speech. And CM Punk, I think, has made his bed. And yeah, if he doesn't wrestle again, like I said, I have no sympathy for him. Yeah, like, there's been a lot of back and forth in, in the States in general as well, Like because the midterm elections are next week and... You know, people are talking about freedom of speech now that, you know, Twitter's under new management and stuff, but you, you exercise the point there, you know, freedom of speech is guaranteed, is, well, is a right, but not freedom from consequences. But with regards to the, the punk scenario, I'm still getting echoes of that exchange he had with Triple H on SmackDown in 2011, just before Night of Champions that year. Yeah. where it was like Triple H says, uh, when you talk about being the catalyst for change, what you really mean is you will only accept change if it means CM Punk is on top. Because if CM Punk isn't the guy, that's not enough change for you. We're a lot alike. We did what we had to get to, we, we did what we had to do to get to the top. The difference is I looked everybody in the eye and told them, I'm going to step on you. I'm going to walk through you to get to the top. You don't have the balls to do it. What you did it, was backdoor your way around. You tried to do it by being a martyr. And it sounds like history's repeating itself in AEW. 
he becomes essentially a martyr carried by his massive wave of fan support. But what I don't think pe- uh, people realized was is that, you know, wait a minute, I actually like Hangman Page. I like the elite as well. And when they should be working together to create this brilliant product in this young company that's actually giving WWE a run for their money. But that's all just gone in the bin now that whether it's just a guy frustrated by injuries or just unhappy creative direction, he's dug his own grave. And I think AEW is making the right call to try and, and buy it out because he's not, he's not a good fit for any company with the mindset he has at the minute. No, definitely not. Um, so according to PW Insider, by the way, just to, to add to the Cole Cabana uh, stuff, uh, Cole Cabana's match against Chris Jericho does not signify a permanent return to AEW TV. Uh, it looked to be a one-off Dynamite appearance. Cabana reportedly still signed to Ring of Honor. Uh, a few months later, it was reported that Cabana, who recently signed a new AEW deal, was being transitioned to the Ring of Honor side of things, and it doesn't appear to be changing. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated says, Cabana's appearance was simply the result of an ongoing storyline of Jericho to defeat former Ring of Honor champions, and there's Cabana as a former two-time Ring of Honor tag team champion. So a lot of us were building up the fact, is it going to be, who's it going to be? Who's a former Ring of Honor champion? Mm. Uh, So it basically means any belt across the company. Um... I mean, how fitting was it to have Colt Cabana come out as the challenger, given all the the punk story that's been going on? It, I, I don't want to read too much into things, but it sounds like mm-hmm. it might be a little bit of a jab. Well, it's funny you say that. Um, the long-standing r- rumours that Rick Cabana's move to Ring of Honor and general absence from AEW TV since November 2021 was a result of Punk's arrival in AEW. As it was a result, it's easy to see why Cabana's sudden return to Dynamite could be taken as a shot against Punk, although Pro Wrestling Illustrated have stated no one's ever going to admit that. So there you are. <laughs> it's, um, it's like, we know, we know, but nobody's yeah. got the balls to say it. Uh, just breaking news as we were on as we're on just now. Uh, officials from the US Embassy in Riyadh have been in contact with WWE ahead of Saturday's scheduled Crown Jewel event. Uh, a spokesperson for the State Department said that officials from the embassy reached out to WWE officials to ensure that travellers are informed of the latest safety and security information. This is due to the ongoing hostilities between Iraq, uh, sorry, between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, Mm. Yes, they'd. Uh, Saudi Arabia and the US have elevated their alert level following warnings of an imminent attack on the country from Iran. Uh, Saudi officials said Iran's poised to carry out attacks on both the kingdom and uh, Erbil, Iraq, in an effort to distract attention from domestic protests that have roiled the country since September. Uh, and on Thursday, PWI reported. The WWE officials have been in regular contact with the State Department. So this is a breaking story that's just developed further. It just looks like the State Department are trying to make sure that WWE are very, very safe. Mm-hmm. It's See, when I first read about this, I thought, 
Oh gosh, here we go again. Another controversy surrounding a Saudi show. But when you read more into it, you sort of get a little bit worried, you know, because you've got an entire company's worth of talent out there delivering a show, a contractual obligation to deliver the Saudi Sports Authority deal up to 2030. And you can't you can't book what goes on in the real world. You know, you have to respond accordingly, I think. Best most recent example being due to COVID, like when Red yeah. was moved to the performance center with zero fans. That was a once in a century like event which nobody could avoid. This is a bit of dip, a bit of a bit of a diplomacy issue between multiple countries. And it would just be a real shame if and it'd be a bit worrying as well, you know, if like Saudi and other countries descended into uh into their own clash all while this company is trying to put on a an entertaining show for a country that's essentially signed a deal with them for 10, 12 years. Like they're they're WWE is just trying to do its job of entertaining its fans, but even they're not immune from real-world events. And I just hope that whatever's going on between the two countries doesn't upset the show in any way. I reckon they just do the show and get the hell out of Saudi as quick as they can. Yeah, I think so too. Um, one wrestler who's not going to be on the Saudi Arabia show and he's going to be out for a while is our truth R-Truth appeared on the November 1st episode of NXT. R-Truth, in traditional R-Truth fashion, showed up late thinking he was the host of Halloween Havoc, which obviously happened a week before. Got into an altercation with Grayson Waller before uh, that broke into a match. Early in the match, Truth went to perform a dive onto Waller. Uh, As he attempted to flip over the ropes, Truth seemingly slipped, awkwardly plunged to the floor and clutched his leg. It now looks like um, he has torn his quad according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter um, most injuries uh, of this type have a recovery time of four to six months but R-Truth is 51 years old, he looks incredible but he is 51 years old um, it does look like this could potentially be a career ending injury mm. Uh, that's a real shame like you know he's been such a entertainer entertaining presence for WWE you know he's he's like comic relief as well and to, to see him still going at 51 is is pretty damn impressive on his part but I think if he had like a like almost like a hosting role a little bit yeah. maybe get back involved with the 24-7 title scene where he doesn't have to exert himself too much like that's where he was at his prime and he could easily, you know, get a crowd warmed up just by getting the mic in his hand because he's such a charismatic individual as well, and he's incredibly funny. It's it would be a shame to see see his career end like this, but I think it'd be WWE would be stupid to completely let him off the hook because he is a big asset to the company. But it's just a shame he had to do his best uh, his best Kevin Nash impression. Uh, this past week on NXT. Um, 
to a story we mentioned earlier when we mentioned the OC versus Judgment Day, uh, Mia Yim, <clears throat> according to Fightful Select, uh, WWE was well aware of Yim's short-term run with Impact and had been interested in anticipation of it. In addition, she's now expected to be brought back soon, although there doesn't look to be any timetable on how soon, soon maybe. So it does look like Mia Yim might be back soon, but she won't be back if there is going to be a female version, uh, female member in this current version of the OC. It doesn't look like it's going to be Mia Yim. Okay. But it's, it's good to know that they're taking interest of Mia Yim's contractual obligations. I think WWE are planning to make an offer as soon as her time with TNA was up. Yeah. I, T, I, listen, don't don't sleep on Impact. Impact's been really, really good recently. Impact, oh, yeah. Impact, Impact bar maybe the Billy Ray thing, which I'm actually coming around to, a, it hasn't really had a misfire in the past two years. No, that's that's true. I think they're sort of on the. I mean, they're still performing in smaller arenas, and I still. Oh God, I still remember that Bobby Fish promo as well. When the cr- you could hear a pin drop. Uh, yeah. Crowd. I mean, that was that wasn't their finest moment, but you know, we we've talked about impact almost week in and week out on Central, and I think I'm missing out. You know, catching up on YouTube, watching their their weekly programming. I should probably. Yeah. Um, much like the WWE Network, if on their YouTube, if you sign up to Ultimate Insider, it's four ninety nine a month. You get a massive back catalogue. You get weekly impacts, and I believe they do. So there's twelve premium live events a year. To use WWE's term, four of them are pay per views, which you need to buy, but the other eight you get for free as part of Impact Plus. Okay, I imagine they save like. Um... Victory Road or Bound for Glory as their sort of main shows, isn't it? So, Hard to Kill in January, Rebellion in April, Slamversary in July, and Bound for Glory in October. Those are the four main ones. But then there are some months where there is those two big specials. They do them like weeks apart, so it's quite good. Uh, you know what? I think I may actually have to start watching Impact just so I can catch up on things because especially, you know, it's you and Scott have been saying, you know, you've been watching them week in and week out and I think I need to get more invested in a little bit of it. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. Um, but there's been some releases this past week in uh, NXT. So this past week it was announced that uh, Sloane Jacobs, Erica Yang, Damaris Griffin and Rue Feng had all been released from NXT. Most of these people have been used as enhancement talents and just on live events. But the most, the one that sticks out the most is Bodie Hayward, part of uh, Chase University, along with Andre Chase. Um, I thought this was because and a uh, I can't remember his name. Duke Hudson, sorry. Duke I thought Hudson, yeah. because Duke Hudson was joining Chase University and it was going to be a case of, like WWE tried to do with Daniel Bryan, remember they tried to give the big show the yes chant? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just didn't work. And um, I thought they were going to try to do that, but now it seems like um, 
he might have had some heat considering a considering his progress and his attitude towards training. A source told Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer that Hayward hadn't been showing enough progress to WWE officials as a performer. Sources also told Meltzer that the cuts, including Hayward's, were based on talent and lack of improvement, seemingly confirming previous reports that WWE would be evaluating talent on a six-month basis. However, Meltzer further noted that lack of improvement wasn't Hayward's only issue, with sources saying that Hayward didn't always show up in time. Though it's not expressly stated, this would indicate Hayward was occasionally late for training at the WWE Performance Centre, which may have contributed to his, to his release. Hayward has not commented on Meltzer's report as of this time, but the former NXT star had made the rounds uh, because he... Did you hear how he was released? No, how? He was given a 45-second phone call about how he wasn't maximising his potential and wasn't taking advantages of the opportunities given to him and that the company would be parting ways with him. Damn. Yeah, it was just a case. It was a very (laughs) brutal separation, but I go back to Mm. uh, William Regal when he was on uh, the sessions with Rene Paquette. He mentioned that there's so many people at the Performance Centre that don't take advantages of the opportunity given to them and it now looks like WWE have grown sick of that and it looks like every six months it's like hey, if you ain't performing you ain't here yeah it's almost like a probation period for the the performance center recruits like we want to see you work hard to get we brought you in because you have potential to be the next big star I want to see you like we want to see you work to get to that point and you know treat this like your life's work you know don't be lax about it. Don't take it for granted. I think it sounds like there was an element of taking it for granted a little bit among yeah. center recruits. And now look what's happened. But yeah, consider it like a probation period. You know, get to this point. We want to see progress made. If you're not taking it seriously or you're not to that point, why are we wasting our time on you? I think WWE was... Somewhat, I they're more. I think I'm. I'd say I'm siding with WWE on this one, given that you know there are at least some justification for the releases. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it looks like um, it looks like they have given them reasons, and it's the same reason to everyone. It's not just a case of our budget cuts. cuts yeah, kind. I don't want to hear the budget cuts excuse again when it comes to releases because. They're raking in millions with the, or billions rather, from ticket sales, from the Saudi deal. Like, you know, Clash at the Castle, the the financial report for the financial year end was published this week. And Clash at the Castle made $8 million in ticket sales alone. Jesus. Making it the most successful international premium live event in history. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, let's let's talk about that. Um, obviously, the the pay per view drew um, drew eight million ticket sales. As you were mentioning, mm-hmm. it looks like WWE are going to be coming back more often because something I I, I noticed uh, this latest European tour for WWE there wasn't many stops on it. Um, they were in Germany, I believe they were in 
Dublin. I know they were in Glasgow, mm-hmm. uh, but there wasn't a lot of stops on it. And when I was at the Glasgow live event, there was a... Was Drew at the Glasgow event? It was not. No, I'll, I'll run through the card in a second, actually. Um, but it was a not big stars, but a good show, if you get me. Okay. So almost but, like a, um, so it's also almost like a Saudi show pre pre show a little bit. Yeah, it was a B show, but there was plenty of talent on there. Um, just like no big names at this time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was announced that there was going to be a live uh, WWE UK live tour in April. However, it announced there would be a show in Birmingham, Manchester, and Belfast. No show in London. Uh, no mention of Dublin, which I know WWE always lumps Ireland in with the UK. No Scottish shows, no Welsh shows. And that makes me think either, given the success of Clash at the Castle, that they are coming back for another pay-per-view. This is just speculation. This isn't a news story. This is just my speculation. Or with the launch of NXT UK Europe in 2023, they want to keep those live events or those ticket sales in the UK and in Europe for the NXT Europe brand, which they're going to try to cultivate. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, NXT Europe, you know, you'll be outside of the UK more often, I reckon. You'll be spending more time in, you know, you could go to France, you could go to Germany, you could even go to Austria as well. Like, can you imagine the pop Gunther would get if they did a show in Austria? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um... But so, yeah, there, there have been talks of the the premium live event in the UK becoming an annual thing. And you know what? I'm all for it. I don't care if it's in Cardiff all the time if they keep doing it at Clash at the Castle, but the UK's full of castles. I mean, they could probably do it in another major city. Why don't you Edinburgh Castle? Aye, <laughs> stick it in Murrayfield, why not? Or Stirling Castle. Stirling Castle holds events. Clash at the Castle in Stirling. <laughs> I am there for that. <laughs> uh, I mean, they'd need a bigger venue than the Hydro if they're coming to Glasgow, or they might change the wording slightly. You know, they could they could call it like Clash at the Scheme or something. <laughs> Square Glasgow. Um, <laughs> yes. Glasgow, fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> um, so the live event I was at, it was actually a really good show. So. The Brawling Brutes defeated Imperium. Shotzi Blackheart defeated Sonya Deville. Karrion Cross defeated Ricochet, which was actually quite a long and quite a good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liv Morgan defeated Shayna Baszler and Natalya in a triple threat match. Gunther defended the Intercontinental title against Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, more on him in a little bit. Hit Row defeated Maximum Male Models. Maximum Male Models, by the way, heels of the night. Mace and Mansoor, or sorry, Mans- Marseille and Mansoir. Mm-hmm. were absolutely sensational and they had a comedy match with Hit Row, it was hilarious uh, The New Day in Bron- the New Day in- sorry, any, go. any good chance from the from the night? Uh, none that I can say on here um, <laughs> <laughs> No, there was there was a, it was quite funny uh, there was a rivaling group on one balcony and a rivaling group on another balcony just across from them oh, and whatever whatever person one balcony cheered for, the other balcony would start cheering for the other one. So you'd have a let's go, let's say it was Gunther. So they started let's go Shinsuke. 
and they wouldn't stop until the Gunther side gave up. And every time when they gave up, they just went, <laughs> and that happened in every match. Um, the main event, the New Day and Braun Strowman defeated the Usos and Sami Zayn, who had Solo Sokoa in their corner. By the way, Sami Zayn was the most over of the night. The Usos are beloved, by the way, even though they're meant to be playing heels. The crowd booing when the New Day and Braun Strowman defeated them. Um, so just goes to show how how Usy we were all feeling in Glasgow that night. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was quite disappointed, David, because the poster said um, Solo Sokoa versus Riddick Moss plus Riddick Moss to appear. And I thought, <laughs> I'm getting double, sorry, not Riddick, Madcap Moss. I'm like, I'm getting double Madcap Moss. I couldn't wait. My Madcap thirst was not quenched. There was no madcap. Solo Sokoa was on in the corner of the Usos. I was outraged. I asked for a refund immediately. Well, um, they card subject to change. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> I tell you what, if you were in Cardiff as well, he was doing a, a signing on, um, I think it was the morning of the show. Outrageous. Outrageous. But anyway, um, speaking of live events in the UK, Progress Wrestling are uh, presenting They Think It's All Over, uh, Chapter 146, uh, from the Electric Ballroom in Camden, London, on November 27th, the night after after Survivor Series. Uh, Luke Jacobs and Big Demo, formerly Killy and Dane, are currently in a a feud. Uh, They are going to have a tag match at the show. And they both get to pick their own partners. Luke Jacobs has picked Chris Ridgway. Big Demo has picked Alex Titchler, formerly known as Alexander Wolf. So we're getting a sanity reunion in progress with Big Demo and Axel Titchler. Eh, I probably pronounced that a different way every yeah, time. You, you, you flubbed the first one. It's Axel Titchler. Uh, yeah. uh, Axel Titchler. Big Wolf. <laughs> sanity <laughs> reforming. I don't care. Um Sanity reforming at Progress 146. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and also Jonathan Jonathan Gresham will return to Progress to face the Progress World Champion Spike Trevet. Never heard of Spike, unfortunately. Spike uh, was part of uh, escaping the mid-card with TK Cooper and uh, someone to chuck somebody. I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, he's come a long way and he is sort of stuffy now. He's very um, he's very up his own arse at the moment, <laughs> but <laughs> he is playing a great heel uh, champion and has got some big victories over Dan Maloney and uh, Big Demo, to name a few. Big Demo, Eddie Dennis, Drew Parker... Mike Bird, Dan Maloney, and man like Darius, the Sovereign Lord, Spike Trevet's successful title defences. There we are. There you go. Chuck Mambo, that's who it is. Chuck it, Mambo. It's weird seeing Demo with a completely bald head as well, given that he had a big, um, like he had this massive, massive mane that went, it was like as long as his beard. It was, it just, it feels weird seeing him with no hair now. Yeah. TK Cooper, by the way, currently. Part of the Progress Tag Team Champions. Oh, yeah? Yep. 
There you go. Um, but also at that show, Adabeo Akinfenwa will be teaming with Anthony Agogo. What? The footballer? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. We'll be teaming with Anthony Agogo to take on Malik and Costa Constantino in a tag team match. Holy moly. <laughs> a former footballer and a former boxer. That's mental to think about. Like Akin Fenwa, I was not expecting that. No, he's he's going to be at that show. Um, but we also have on Noah's uh, the New Year 2023 show, uh, the Great Muta's second last match ever is going to be against WWE superstar Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura given the green light by Triple H to go over to Noah and wrestle the Great Muta. Uh, apparently, these talks have been going on since before Vince McMahon's retirement, but they fell through under Vince McMahon, according to to Tokyo Sports. Very much a case of, I don't think Vince wanted to share his toys. Yeah, like a case of WWE lives in its own bubble and, you know, whatever name these people had in real life, you know, you must call them now by their, their kayfabe names and we must refer to them as the WWE universe. No other company matters. It's it feels really good that Triple H is much more in touch, not just with his with his audience, but also with other wrestling companies worldwide. You know, it, it gives WWE that sense of, you know, being a part of the real world a little bit now, acknowledging that, you know, they're not they're not the only wrestling company in the world. And I think this is Great Muta's yeah, you said this is Great Muta's second last match because he's been doing almost like a a retirement tour a little bit, you know, get a few final big matches under his under his cap and then retire peacefully. This is I think this is probably the biggest crossover they've done since Chris Jericho wrestled Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom a few years back. Mm -hmm. Like having a WWE talent or ex WWE talent like compete in a a Japanese wrestling promotion. It's it just goes to show that under Triple H's regime, they are willing to build bridges with other companies, you know, open the forbidden door, shall we say. And Nakamura is like a, is probably one of the all-time greats of Japanese wrestling as well. Probably one of the most charismatic individuals you'll ever get. And albeit his WWE run has been hardly perfect, but as one of Japan's greatest wrestlers, it makes sense that you know he has this match with with Great Muta. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's nice that WWE are willing to work with people. Impact have been very open with the fact that they're willing to work with people. They said <clears throat> their door is officially open. It looks like Triple H is going to open that quote-unquote forbidden door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, if they do it for the, with smaller companies, you know, like they've done with Progress and stuff, I'm all for it. You know, it might give them a bit more, these companies a bit more exposure too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, bit of uh, TV news involving The Rock and Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky Lynch will be playing Cindy Lauper in the season premiere of season three of Young Rock. Mm -hmm. This is nothing new, obviously. We've saw the likes of Grayson Waller playing uh, Ric Flair. 
But Becky Lynch, uh, nice to see, would you call it nice to see her getting getting out there with the um would you call it with the injury? She's still out there, she's still uh, promoting herself and still keeping keeping herself relevant. Mm-hmm. Mind Roman Reigns, I think, had a starring role, I think, Hobbs and Shaw, when he yes. was off with leukemia. Yes. Uh, it sounds something, something similar. You know, if you can't compete in the ring, you know, and if you're in a, a big enough name in demand, you know, people are going to want you to do parts. And I have seen her, seen Becky in the in the Cindy Lauper makeup, and she actually makes it look really, really good. Has she not started in a couple of other TV appearances as well? Um, I believe she starred on Billions. That's it. Yeah, she was on Billions. Uh, and I think she's been on other things as well. Can't remember any others off the top of my head. But yeah, uh, good to see her out uh, doing stuff like that. But um, good news for fans of Dominic Dijakovic, but bad news for... Bad news for those six fans of T-Bar out there. Um, <laughs> Dominic Dijak, that's the new name he's going by on WWE's internal roster. Donovan that was, Dijak. Donovan. What? Donovan Dijak, not Dominic. Um, that, was, that was his name um, before entering WWE, before it was edited to Dominic Dijakovic, which annoys me. Either change his name completely or leave it alone. Don't tweak it, you know what I mean? Um, But it looks like he'll be returning to the Yellow and Gold brand and... Yellow and Gold? Yeah. The Black and Gold brand. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) White white and Gold. Oh, Dave, fuck off. Anyway, (laughs) returning to NXT, Mr. Pedantic, um, (laughs) and it looks like this is going to be a bit of a reset for the character. And you know what? I'm all for it. I think Dijakovic was a massive missed opportunity in Black and Gold NXT. And he had some banging matches with the likes of Keith Lee, with the Undisputed Era. And he had a really good showing in War Games as well. But he was never really given his dues in the form of a a title reign. I mean, he would have made a very, very good NXT North American champion, all things considered. And I think he was on the cusp of becoming NXT champion as well a few times. Yeah. I I just hope that, and I think his gimmick, you know, the, the feast your eyes gimmick was massively over with the NXT audience. And if he's just able to pull out, you know, his, his old character, maybe with a few tweaks here and there, I think he's arguably due a title run now. Actually, you know what? He deserves a title run in NXT and he just never got that originally because of the call-up as part of Retribution. I think as well, obviously, not through fault, but the the record-setting, sorry, the Champa storyline, the Johnny Gargano storyline, the record-setting reign of Adam Cole, and then Keith Lee, his rise over the Survivor Series weekend, which Dijakovic was a part of. He was in the War Games and he was in the Survivor Series five on five on five the next night. They like it's just one of those ones he missed the boat sort of because other people were. No, at no, that no, he, 
he wasn't on Team NXT. It was uh, Keith Lee, Champa, Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, and Volter. What was that I thought he was on? No, that, I was baffled that he was not Team NXT. Right. No, I remember because we were all talking about how weird it was that Priest was on because mm-hmm. he just debuted at the time, whereas we had no sign of uh, no sign of Dijakovic. But he was part of that weekend as part of War Games, and it is just a part of as a, the men I mentioned before, their title runs, they just couldn't be denied at that time. They were the over guys and it just didn't happen for him. Do you remember his match with Keith Lee NXT TakeOver Portland just before the pandemic hit? Yes. Like, that's still one of my favourite NXT matches to date. Because like, you remember the movie did, like Keith was sitting in the chair by the announce table on the outside. Dijakovic does a springboard sent on to the outside, and he hits Keith whilst he's sitting in the chair. And <laughs> Mauro's commentary just sold that like nobody's business. That it was an incredible spot. And bear in mind, Dajakovic is like 6'7, 265 pounds plus. Like the guy's about the size of Drew McIntyre, and he's pulling off shit like that. That cannot be ignored. No, absolutely. Um, it looks like moving on to our last news story of the day, it looks like the Elite could possibly be working a big match at full gear. So obviously we mentioned earlier during the CM Punk story that uh, vignettes have started to air. Um, but it seems to be imminent. They're in ring return, according to Dave Meltzer. It's probable, but not 100%. It's probable, sorry, but not 100% that the Elite will be competing against Death Triangle at full gear, presumably for the World Trios titles which obviously the Elite won by defeating Dark Order, but then Death Triangle won when they were vacated by defeating Best Friends. Uh, Full Gear is on November 19th, so there's 15 days uh, at time of recording until then, so it looks like it would need to be soon, either next week or the week after, where they return. But they have been backstage at the last few Dynamites, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to be like, oh, well, They've showed up. <laughs> now I reckon I reckon we'll need to pick up where they left off before the whole media scrum shenanigans. It is like, uh, yeah, no, sorry, I was uh, we had to vacate the titles because uh, Kenny was just uh, healing a, a bite injury. <laughs> it's mental that he carried the dog to safety, and it wasn't the dog that bit him. <laughs> And the Bucks had to stay, were staying with him the entire time to make sure he didn't need like a, a rabies jab or anything. <laughs> oh, I'm just seeing here, sorry, just more breaking news as we're talking about this. Another one. Um, AW investigation reportedly a farce and more. Oh. Just let me get through this. Just posted at this time. A. Uh, the validity of AEW's investigation into the post-all-out altercation between CM Punk, Ace Steel and the Elite is now being called into question following a new report from PW Insider. Stemming from a reader question about the nature of the investigation, Dave Sher let loose with a scathing assessment of the manner of, of the manner in which the investigation was handled, labelling it a farce based on what he'd seen and heard of the process. Oh my. Sher uh, mm. began noting that any company doing a thorough investigation of this type would have to have been sure to interview everyone that was present 
In this case, everyone who witnessed the fight between Punk, Omega, The Young Bucks and the recently released Ace Steel. However, someone who wasn't interviewed for this particular investigation was Ace Steel's wife, Lucy Guy, who was in the locker room at the time of the incident watching Punk's dog, Larry. With that glaring omission, uh, Shearer, I'm apologising if you're listening and I'm pronouncing your second name wrong, uh, raised the idea that talking to her would have offered a different narrative about what happened and thrown a wrench into the appro- into approaching the outcome we seem to be getting, noting that this just may be what Tony Khan ultimately wanted for his company when all was said and done. He, o- he offers that unless Guy and Steele were paid a sum of money to keep quiet, the EVPs involved would not have been able to be painted as the victims that they have been they have been painted as with the re- recollection of events on record. Uh, however things played out as now as it stands, is that Punk is reportedly negotiating a buyout of his contract for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega en route back to AEW television, as we just spoke about. Uh, both camps' sides of the stories managed to get out, even as Khan has maintained radio silence on the issue, perhaps due to legal concerns. However, potential litigation seems to have fallen by the wayside, as for now that is. So it looks like Ace Steele's just been fired and not asked any questions, and his wife has not been taken into account here. Mm. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe they were scared that somebody would spill the beans on the full altercation because, you know, they have the company reputation to think about as well. They don't want to make it seem like everything's falling apart for just because somebody took things out of hand. But now any company worth their salt would have had to have done this thoroughly despite you know, the potential reputational damage because it means it shows they're taking accountability for everyone involved. And sure, one guy badmouthed the company, etc. And things obviously went out of hand, but they have to address these issues head on. They can't just sweep under the carpet and hope that, you know, things will just be better from a, a fan's perspective. These things have to be done thoroughly, and if it if it's not, then that's that makes EW look even more shambolic at this point. Yeah, it's Ugh. just can we just get on with the wrestling anyway? Let's end with a nice story. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So Seamus recently got married. Uh, the Celtic Warrior posted a picture of himself and his groomsmen wearing the kilts uh, for the Celtic Warriors wedding, captioned Reservoir Fellows. This is a picture of the uh, of his groomsmen, including a uh, former WWE champion Drew McIntyre and AEW's uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Miro, walking down 44th Street outside Manhattan Hotel in Times Square, like the Reservoir Dog characters. Uh, other... F- other superstars there include former WWE Women's Champion Naomi, uh, Lana, obviously there with Miro, uh, Matt Riddle and Damian Priest, all at the... Seamus was written off TV recently to give him, obviously, time off the wedding. And uh, congratulations to Seamus. It looked, it looked like a fancy wedding for a start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, getting in the middle of New York as well, you know, everything's traditionally, like heavy bustling because I've been in New York and you know there's never a quiet street there in the middle of Manhattan 
So the fact that we're able to do that, and it looks like they're on a, a rooftop ceremony as well. That's- yeah, it looks very um, the garden from Spider Man and Fantastic Four. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they were posing. They were posing down by the Hudson River as well. But yeah, it's 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 we- It was really cool to see them all wearing kilts as well with the the Irish tartan, especially. You know, Claudio and Miro both getting in on wearing kilts as well. Like, I mean, I thought seeing Jinder Mahal in a kilt for Drew's wedding was weird, but it's <laughs> seeing Cesaro and Miro in, in kilts, I think it just, I mean, thumbs up to that. I mean, fair play to them. Yeah. And Damien Priest as well looks like the most, he, he looks like he puts no effort to what he's wearing, and yet it works for him. He's just that charismatic and cool a guy. He's just, if anyone else tries to wear the open collared shirt with three buttons buttoned down, they look either like an asshole or <laughs> they look like a knobhead. He <laughs> just looks sensational. Uh, Mike did NXT, you know, he had that sort of rock star persona going on, you know, as the archer of infamy. And then when he wins the NXT North American title, he immediately jumps into a hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Sorry, I'm not he's, the, he's the only guy that can pull it off, but now he's gone. He's gone full gothic with the the Judgment Day. I'm just laughing at his um, the photos he's put up. Um, I, I've seen the photo of them all showing their uh, showing their legs. <laughs> I've just seen how many wrestlers I can spot. Oh, you know, and it was nice to see a bar reunion as well. Between Seamus and Claudio. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, congratulations to Isabella and Seamus. That's a nice story to end on, as opposed to all the fighting, isn't it? Yeah. But great story. That, that is going to do it for this episode of ESSR Central, our Crown Jewel preview. We'll be back next week to review all the fallout from Crown Jewel, all the previews towards the likes of Survivor Series, uh, AEW's Full Gear, and uh, Impact Wrestling, they have a live special on the Friday before Full Gear, whose name absolutely escapes me. Two minutes. Uh, what Overdrive, Impact Wrestling Overdrive is very... Oh, very um, over the limit, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, over over the limit. Impact Wrestling Overdrive, where Kazarian will be cashing in option C to take on Impact World Champion Josh Alexander. We're going to have Heath and Rhino defending against Brian Myers and Matt Cardona, the former Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Uh, Death Dolls, Taya Valkyrie and Jessica taking on Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans. And Moose against Billy Ray. There'll also be a tournament for the vacated Impact World uh, Impact X Division title. I won't spoil that for those of you that haven't watched yet. But yeah, some that'll be on November 18th. That'll be the night before AEW's full gear. So that'll be a good good weekend for the wrestling. And then on the 19th, uh, ICW's Fear and Loathing. So a big three nights for wrestling. Mm. ICW Fear and Loathing coming from the garage. Hey, I'm I'm for it. Um, <laughs> if it gives it a bit of an atmosphere, this this could be the great rebuild. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But hey, um, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget if you want to listen to any past 
reviews, previews, interviews, or any of the news, that's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And at Suplex Retweet, whatever you'd like to do your social media in, we will be there. Uh, thank you very much, Dave, for joining us. Thank you. We'll be back soon, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. <laughs>